He saved us for himself. He saved us from something, and he saved us to something. And that something that he saved us to is to be godly. We're not going to will ourselves to really do anything right. If we're going to be godly people, and if we're going to be caring for each other the way we ought to be, we need to understand it's through God's grace and the power of that grace and the power of salvation. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. What I want us to see this morning is whatever we do in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to do it because we're in love with him and because salvation really has done something for us, but it's not, not just that it's going to do something for us in the next life, but there's a place where God wants us to be today, today, all of us. And that's how we're going to best represent him. That's how we're going to best represent him. And so I want us to open our Bibles to the book of Titus. And this is a really cool book. And I know a lot of times we, we look at this very short epistle and we say, okay, that's for the elders and that's for the, for, the, for the pastors or whatever. But I want us to see, and we're not going to really exegesis any scripture this morning, but I want to take some out and I want to make some application to it this morning, okay? And, and here, here we have um, the Apostle Paul. He's the author, of, he's the, the human author of this text. And um, he's, of course, um, being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to, to Titus. Now, now uh, we can see in the book that, that he calls Titus his true son. Now, we know that, that that wasn't his biological son, but in the faith, he, you know, he's his son, just like Timothy was. But, but, but Titus, I keep wanting to call Titus Timothy. Anybody else do that? But, uh, so forgive me if I use the word Timothy in place of Titus. I really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, um, Titus is a church planner. He, he has been sent um, by, by the apostles to, to, to Crete, and, and he's to plant this church. Hey, guess what, everybody? We all church planners. I love that word, church planner. You know, you know, I, I love that word because you know maybe we're not planting a new church here, but we're out we're out witnessing to people and we're bringing them in. And so the whole thing is 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 Paul is telling him here in chapter one, verse one, and he's saying, you know, you're you're going to this place, and this place Crete is very wicked. And if you go back and look at and, and read some of the the old historians and, and what they say about Crete, um, first the word Crete in the Greek means fleshly. They were very fleshly people. I mean, um, 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 the historians say that um, Crete was an abomination to the Lord, that, that there was so much drunkenness, and everything was, was centered around sex and the perversion of it, and there were so many false gods, and there were so many religions in that area, and they had just, they had just interwoven to each other. And so here's Titus, and he has to go to this very wicked place, and, and plant this church. And within that church, there are so many people, and, there's, and, the, and the chapter 1 also talks about false teachers. And there are false teachers within that directive area that, that he's ministering to. And, and they're bringing in um, false things into that local church. And, of course, it's all around. And so what makes this text very relevant for us is this. Hold on. I know I might be losing some of you. Is that it kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Yeah? So this epistle is very, very, very um, um, relevant to what we do. And so because our question may be, okay, 
So, um, Pastor, I'm, I'm living in a workplace. I'm living in my home. I'm living in this area, whatever it may be, and it's just so ungodly. Well, this is a great epistle for us to learn from. And what I want us to see in chapter 1, verse 1, look at it real quick. Paul, a bondservant. Now, if you don't know what a bondservant is, a bondservant is a person that's bound in service without wages. Cornerstone, we should all call ourselves bondservants. I think it'd be pretty cool that we write a little note to somebody and we sign it, not sincerely Ron Fox, but a bondservant of Jesus Christ because we are bound to service in the name of Jesus Christ because of our salvation, and we don't get paid anything for it. We're not entitled to one darn thing either. Everybody say amen. So try that next time you write a letter to somebody. (laughs) Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Um, Not sincerely, but a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Sean Torrance. That'd be pretty cool. You might get made fun of too, but anyways. So you write a letter to your teachers and put a bondservant. You won't, you'll get an A, I promise, okay? <laughs> but he says, um, he says, he says, here I am, um, um, young Titus, my, 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 my true son. He says, uh, Paul, a, a bond, I'm a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowing of the truth, which is according to to what? Godliness. You know, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that, you know, the best way that you can go into that area is, and and we'll read it here in a little bit, because there was so much ungodliness there, and he says for them to be godly, for them to be godly. So so if we're going to be that kind of church that's going to make the impact upon this world and to sharpen each other's lives, because the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron, and so does a friend sharpen in the countenance of another. Look, if we're going to do that, and we're going to do it God's way, we got to be, we got to have some godliness about us. Hey, listen to me, Corner stone you've got to have some godliness about you and 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 but we got to think about what motivates that godliness you know is it religious duty is it some kind of false um, religious that we do it because of or are we doing it because we have a deep love and a godlikeness for him through jesus christ and i think that's really the big difference now Back to the Cretans just for a minute. The very word Crete, again, it means to be fleshly. And this is the place that Titus was at. And, um, but it was very popular back in that day because, because well, go, go ahead and turn with me at Titus chapter 1, verse 12. I just want to give you a little bit more context, and we're going to dig right into this, and we're going to fire it out, okay? But just real quick, I just want you to pick up some more context about this place of Crete. Uh, chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says... Um, he says, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, talking about a person of Crete, um, uh, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That kind of sounds like the way it was at my house during the holidays. <laughs> kind of relevant, right? But, uh, you know, um, but this also, again, is why it makes it so relevant. But back in the days, historians would say that, that uh, they were such liars that they, they even thought, it, thought highly of themselves because they could craft such lies. And so, so sometimes the word Crete or Cretan um, would be the synonym um, for liar. And so it would be like saying, you're a Crete. He's Cretan over there. 
Mom, she's creeding, but, but these were some wicked, wicked people, okay, is all we're trying to say this morning. And so Titus is there, and he is to be a witness to him, and he's to do that through, through his godliness. Titus chapter 1, verse 1, again, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness. God's purpose in the gospel is to create for himself, listen, a God-loving and God-like people. That's what godliness means. Godliness means that we are a God-loving and God-like people. Can we say that about ourselves? I think a lot of times we can, but we need to understand we need to be godly people. And that was the point of the gospel. When God saved us, he saved us. Listen close. He saved us for himself. He saved us from something, and he saved us to something. And that something that he saved us to is to be godly. Right, everybody? It's to be godly. In other words, it's to be like him. We are not saved to be Ron Fox because I'm saved from something. I'm saved from drugs or I'm saved from sex or I'm saved from this or that. And not just saved from the punishment or the penalty of death, but I'm saved to something. And what am I saved to? To be Ron Fox who doesn't do drugs anymore? No, I'm saved to be Ron Fox. I'm to be the very image of Jesus Christ. I am to be a godly person. That's what I'm saved to. I think we get so wrapped up in, oh, God saved me from this and I'm delivered. No, whenever God, he saved us from something and that's great. And we got to look back because that motivates us. But God has saved us to something and that something is godliness. Everybody listen. You are saved to godliness. And that's how we're going to make the impact on one another here in this room. That's how you're going to make the impact on your children at home is to be godlike and a God lover. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah, yeah. We're saved to godliness. We're saved to godliness. Now, let's go ahead and get into our message this morning, okay? Let's go ahead and get into our message. So the point was not saving us from something, but he's saving us to something. So therefore, one of the ways to authenticate if we are living right for the Lord and caring for those outside of ourselves is, is, is authentic, we can know that by if we're living right for the Lord is whether or not we cultivate godliness in our lives, God-loving and God-like. You know, a lot of times we have religion. Everybody listen. A lot of times we have religion, but we don't have godliness. Are we God-loving and God-like? What's our motivator? We're not talking about busyness or external conformity, but godliness in the heart. Listen, there's a difference. And my challenge as your pastor, and I, you know, I, I love you, and I'm that under shepherd, you know, and, and, you know, Jesus Christ is our shepherd. But I challenge you this morning um, as we go through this two, two quick points this morning, and, and, I, and I want you to, to, to think about it during this message and, and ask God and talk with him. 
But I, I, I want you to ask yourself this morning, if, if is what you do as a Christian, is it, out of, is it out of religion? In other words, busyness? Is it out of some obligation you think and you're going through it just because that's what's expected of me? Or are you doing it and your motivation is because <laughs> I'm in love with God? And I thank God for what he saved me from and what he's, what he's one day he's going to bring me to in heaven and to that great purity. But what he saved me to today, which is godliness. And, and, and I want you to ask yourselves, am what, I'm, am what I'm doing, am I doing it? Is it just a religious thing for me? Is it something I've always done? Or am I doing it because I'm so in love with Jesus Christ and God that I just, that I, that, that I, I'm God-like? Yeah, does that make sense? Okay, number one, number one, when we look at godliness, when we look at godliness, um, number one, um, is your faith producing godliness? Number one, let's look at this, how the gospel produces godliness. Titus chapter 1, 1, and, and we read that already, but I want you to look at verse 11. Look at, look at verse 11, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Hey, isn't that wonderful news, everybody? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he brought salvation to all men. That doesn't mean all men are saved because they have to call upon him. They have to profess with their mouth. They have to believe in their heart, repent from their sins. Then they're saved. But God has brought salvation for everyone. And we need to know that we need to take that very gospel message out to this world. Amen, everybody? But for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny. Look at it. We're talking about sin here. He's instructing us, you and I, to be godly. So therefore, verse 12, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So what produces godliness? What is it? Uh, let me ask you a question. If if I asked you, if I asked you to explain to me how you can be more self-controlled, more upright, if I asked you to say, I want you to be like this, and 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 how would you respond to that? How would you say that you can be more uh, self-controlled and more upright? How would how would you tell me you're going to be that way, Tommy? You need to be more self-controlled and upright. How are you going to do it? That's not rhetorical. I'm asking you a question, woman. <laughs> I'll pay for this later. But Okay. 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 All right, Sean, do you need to be more, more um, um, self-controlled? Man, I seen you get out of hand with your kids and you yell at them. I need you to stop being quick to anger like that. And, and, and so how are you, you going to, Sean, how are you going to do that, brother? Okay, 
All right. So, so how are we going to be in this ungodly world? And we have everybody. Look, we're, we're you know, we're, we're saved people, right? If you accept Jesus Christ and you truly did it with all your heart, mind, and soul, hey, look, we're, we're saved and everything. But we still have this flesh, and we still live in a world just like Titus did. And he's planting this church in this ungodly place. So, how are we going to be self-controlled? And how are we going to be godly? How are we going to be? How are we going to be that? You know, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know. Um, maybe your answers would. Be Somewhat we heard here, but but maybe your answer would be um, you know greater will willpower. Is that going to work? Maybe maybe you, I need greater knowledge. Um, is that your answer? Um, maybe you just need to think about the judgment of sin a little bit more, and that hell a little bit more, and that maybe if you did that, then maybe you would be a little bit more godlier in an ungodlier place. But Paul's answer here is that the grace. Paul's answer here is, is it's because of the grace of God. Listen, everybody, we're going to be godly people because of the grace of God, because, the, because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not going to will ourselves to really do anything right. If we're going to be godly people and if we're going to be caring for each other the way we ought to be, we need to understand it's through God's grace and the power of that grace and the power of salvation. What I'm saying is, is we need to think about that a little bit more, right? That's what Paul is telling them here. He says, you need to think about God's grace and the whole thing about salvation, that it's here to save all men. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. Look, the grace of God focuses our attention in three places. Listen to me here, because this is how you're going to do it. If you're struggling with this, this is how you need to first, you need to focus upward, the glory of our God. We need to focus. I was thinking, I was thinking the other day, um, um, I was just thinking the other day about this world. And, and, and I was just thinking about um, this whole, you know, um, atheist and that they don't believe in a God. But I was just thinking about just, you know, it was 88 degrees yesterday. Was that crazy or what? I was building a pump house and I sweated down. I mean, it was February. <laughs> it was crazy. But anyway, so I got to thinking and, 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 and my, and my, and my uh, spoiled, entitled Obama chickens were in the backyard, you know, and I was just looking at all of God's creation. I got some chickens from Matt and Joanne, and I'm telling you what, Matt and Joanne, I don't know what y'all did, but I might have to bring them back. Those things follow me around like, little, like a little dog. And, and they come to my back door wanting me to bring them out food. Chickens, might you. I got to get that run built because if I'm fixing to get a divorce over this thing. But uh, she's shaking her head yes. But okay, I got to stop. I'm just, okay, let's come, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. But uh, I don't want a divorce. Um, but I'm going to get that pen built, honey. Okay. We're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> You're making, no, I'm just kidding around. Okay. Look, um, I'm getting the pipe from John. So thank, thankful for that. But um, what were we talking about? So I was thinking about creation. I was thinking about creation, and I was thinking, how can anybody not see that, that this come from nothing? You know, I was thinking about Miss Janice that had her surgery, and, and she, she, had a, she, had a, she had a full blockage. And, 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 and before the doctors found it, they, they took pictures of it, and her body already started growing 
a new artery. And so then they was able to go in there with just a robot and made an incision here, an incision here, and an incision here. And they went in and they finished that bypass that God already started. Come on. That's amazing. I mean, I'm so what I'm saying is, is that when we're talking about godliness, you, we need to think about the glory of God, about how, how powerful he is, about how real he is. But number two, when we think about um, godliness and, and we think about God's grace, because we need to be godly people, we're going to be, we're going to be encouraged if we just, and again, we got to do this, but we can't stay there. We got to look back and remember what God saved us from. What he, you know, where were you at? Where were you headed before you were, before God found you and before you found him? Where were, we need to go back and real, and that should motivate us to be God-like and lovers of God. And if we didn't find him, we would be responsible for the penalty of our sin and we would go to hell which is, which is everlasting, and it's been in the torment, and the greatest thing about, the most worst thing about, most worst, the worst thing about hell is that God's not there, and that's the, most, that's the worst thing about it. That's why it can be a burning fire and darkness at the same, same time, because God is light. And in hell, there is no God, and there is no second chance. It's torment. So, so that should drive us to godliness, but we don't stay there because God calls us to, to something. He called us, he, he got us from one thing, but he called us to another, and that's godliness, and that's living a life for him. And that's our motivator, is by the gospel of Jesus Christ through grace and what God is doing for us. We can't get there, and here it is, we can't get there through religious duty because godliness needs to come from the purity of what God has done for us through his grace. And a lot of times what we end up doing as people, as Christians, is, is just religious acts. And we go through motions not motivated by the love of God and what he's done for us and who he is and what he's called us to. Instead, we do it because that's all we know. And we even do things that has nothing to do with it. And again, that's just religious acts. So my challenge to you this morning is, is what you do, why you do, how you do, is it because you just do it because of whatever reason, or are you doing it because of the grace of God? Is your, is your godliness self-produced? Or is it God-produced? Because the only thing that's going to work in caring for each other and the only thing that people are going to see that's going to change their lives, just like in Crete in this awful place, was is that they needed to see his godliness, that he loved God and that he was like God. Does that make sense, everybody? Right, give, give the Lord a hand. Very good. All right, let's, let's move on. I was reading some commentaries on this this week, and uh, Martin Luther, he had what he called the dilemma of great commandment. And, um, you know, the Bible says, um, the Bible says, um, love, thy, love your Lord thy God 
with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? Is that, is that good stuff or what? Yeah, because godliness is loving him, and it's got to be produced through his grace and his power, right? And we do it by, by looking up, and we do it by looking back, and we do it by looking forward. But I also want us to see that um, here's a problem a lot of times in, in what Martin Luther calls this dilemma of the great commandment. And that is, if you love something, you really don't need a commandment. Now, we're not taking the, the, the scripture there in Exodus and saying, we're, we, you know, we have the command to love him, and that's good, right, everybody? But someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, do they love God? No, okay? But when we're saved, one of our responsibilities is to love God. But here's the kicker, and here's the thing that I want us to see, and here's what this dilemma of the great commandment is, is that, is that if you love something, you don't need to be commanded to show it. You shouldn't, right? I mean, I mean, uh, um, um, you, 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 Tommy commands me to kiss her. Well, I'm going to kiss her because I love her, right? I don't need to have a commandment to kiss my wife. I'm going to go right up to her when I want to, and I'm going to put it right on her lips, right? Yeah? I mean, here's my point is, is that we're going to make sense of it here, but, but I shouldn't have to be commanded to love God because of my salvation, I mean, that commandment's there, yes, but I'm going to love him because I love him, because I want to love him, because of what he's, what he's, who he is, and because of what he's done, because what he's going to do and what he's doing right now. I, if I truly love him, I don't have to have a commandment. Now, my wife always tries to get me to eat, what are those little ball things called? Brussels sprouts. You can soak those things in baking grease and pour chocolate on them, and I'm still not going to touch. No matter, no matter, no matter, no matter how she commands me to to want to eat Brussels sprouts, I, I'm not going to. See, no commandment's going to make me eat a Brussels sprout. Not even from my wife. Right. So what we're saying this morning is, is that if you truly love God. Godliness isn't going to be a problem for you. But if you're only trying to do things as a Christian based on a commandment and no love in there, it's never going to work. We get it? Godliness. Godlike and loving God. All right, point number two, and this is it. False religion cannot produce godliness. False religion cannot produce godliness. Being, now, the, the, chapter 1, verses 10 to 16, and you can read this um, later, but it's, it's, it's talking about these people in Crete and, and, these, and, and about how these false teachers were, were teaching things and saying things and trying to, to, to interweb these things into that church plant. But... Um, Here's the point. Being religious often replaces godliness. And we've said that already. But religion emphasizes adherence to rules rather than internal transformation. 
And we need to make sure that what's going on in our lives is because of an internal transformation. Look, mere words, verse 10, adherence to Jewish uh, commands in verse 13, it uses, it, all that uses God for the sake of dishonest gain in verse 11. God is the means to an end at that point, church. He's the means to whatever it is, houses or cars or, or security or making me feel good about where I'm at. That's religion. Religion, and in fact, leads to the opposite of godliness. And just real quick, instead of gratefulness, mere religion, just mere religion, false religion, I want you to know it produces pride. Instead of full surrender, false religion calls for partial commitment. You see what I'm saying? This godliness, we do it because of transformation, because of who he is and what he's done and what he's doing and what he's going to do. That should cause for 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 a complete surrender. But in just doing it religiously, it's only going to be partial surrender. But God wants full surrender. Amen? Um, remember, remember back in the Old Testament, what did Moses, one of, my, one of the greatest one-liners in the Bible I like, what did Moses tell Pharaoh? What's that great one-liner? Okay, okay, okay. You say it's let my people go. Got somebody else over here? Okay, okay, I got to hurry. I'm, I'm fixing to go red up here. He says, let my people go, and that's great, and I love that, but that's not the end of what he told Pharaoh. He said, let my people go, why? For they, for them to worship me. You see it? They had it, they had it, they had to, they, they were being, take, being taken out of one thing, but they're being brought to another, and that's God's whole will for us, is to be brought to him to what? Not just because of what he's done, but because he wants us to be, so he wants us to Listen, to worship him. And so when we're talking about religion versus, versus um, godliness, there has to be full surrender, and you can't have full surrender in just that religion part of it. It's got to be full surrender, and that's going to provide that, that godliness that God wants us to use in a place to make it to be like him and to love him. All right? And then number three, godliness hates sin. This is not a point. This is part of point number two. Godliness hates sin. Um, everybody, let, everybody look at me, and we're done here. Godliness hates sin. Everybody, look. Godliness hates sin. Religion, religion, a lot of times, false religion concerns with sin to avoid punishment. So you ask, how close can I get to it? Religion sometimes, well, how close can I get to sin and not be bit by it? You know, but, but again, if we're saying if we're saying godliness is being like God, if we're saying godliness loves God, then we're going to hate the things He hates. And our Bibles say that God hates sin. People who love God hate sin. They are not concerned about how close they can get to it, but they hate it so badly that they want to stay away from it. That's how we should feel. If, if, if Christianity is just religious to you, then you're always going to see how close you can get to sin without being, getting, being taken by it. But with true surrender to him that's going to produce godliness, you hate what God hates and you love what God loves. You hate sin. Poor Sandy Hensley, everybody. Poor Sandy Hensley. Do you know what, ha- do you know what happened to her a couple of months ago? 
She woke up in the middle of the night, and there was a five-foot snake coiled up on top of her head, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know what she did? She jumped out of bed. Hold on, I'm telling the story. <laughs> I don't care if it's a, it's a six-inch snake or if it's a 12-foot snake. A snake is a snake. Can I have an amen to that, everybody? Every snake is a king cobra. Yeah. So, so poor Sandy Hensley, she wakes up and there's a snake on top of her head. And so what does she, she do? She, she jumps up. I'm, I'm sure after she, you know, John wakes up because of her scream. I'm not sure what happened there. But, 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 but her, his, this is her response was, we're moving, John. <laughs> we're moving, John. <laughs> Now, I'm just making a point here. Now, I could put an aquarium in their house, or let me just say this. Sandy hates snakes. She hates them. You couldn't even put an aquarium in her house and cage that snake. and put her, She doesn't want a snake nowhere close to her. Guys, that's how we should hate sin. And the way that we're going to be successful in our community is by being godly, being godlike, lovers of God, and we hate sin. We hate sin. We hate sin. God has been after people to always hate sin. Again, some of that false religion, some of that religion, it just keeps you busy. Rituals and commands and words, but religion never curbs sin. And if you are curbed to sin, it may be because your life, your Christianity is just about, is just about religion, and it's not about him. So Paul says that many religious people claim to know God, but look at verse 16. But by the shape of their heart, they deny him. Look at verse 16. And, and even through their lives are religiously blizzy, the shape of their heart. He says that they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. See it? You know, I've been around religious people where everything is just a ritual. It's a habit. And no godliness is really displayed. No love for God. No being God liked. They sit, they stand, they go, and they do because of ritual and not because of full surrender to what God would have them to be. No godliness. But the gospel changes that, amen? The gospel should change that. The kindness of God, Paul says, leads us to true repentance by reinvigorating worship and restoring gratefulness and raising expectations. I'm going to end with this. Uh, Spurgeon said this, and I've, it gives me goosebumps whenever I read it. Spurgeon said this. He says, when I thought God was hard, now this is the great Charles Spurgeon, if you will. He's a man, of course. He says, when I thought God was hard, I found it easy to sin. But when I found God to be so kind, so overwhelming with compassion, I smote upon my breast to thank I ever rebelled against the one who loved me so. Hey, Christianity is not about turning over a new leaf. 
It's the power of a new life. Not a resolve to live better, but a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't need New Year's resolutions or a bunch of rules. What we need is a new heart and the power of the Holy Spirit, which comes not by exhortations to do better, but by an event, and that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose from the grave. He's in heaven. Make an intercessory prayer for you. And his will is that all men will be saved. Saved from something, but to something. And that's to be godly people. And if for us to make the impact in our families, in our workplaces, we've got to be godly people. That's motivated by the grace of God, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. By knowing where it brought us from, who to give thanks to, and what it's taken us to, but what is he doing right now? Why do we do what we do? Is it out of ritual, some religious activity, or is it because of our true surrender to God himself? That's the question. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for loving us. Lord, we we all have our creeds. We all have our creed that we that we deal with. And Lord, it can be hard and it can be difficult and it can be overwhelming. And Lord, it can be such a pull to to live like the Cretans. But we know, God, that you tell us to stay away from, from that. And we're only going to be able to do it through our surrender to you. We're only going to be godly by being like you and being lovers of you. We can only we can only be like that, Lord, through full through full surrender and knowing where you've taken us from and who you are and where you're taking us to. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, we'll all just take a personal inventory of whether or not we are practicing true godliness um, by a surrendered life for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's one here that's never trusted you as their Savior, Lord, that this morning that they'll come forward in this invitation and, and, and they'll ask questions and they'll come to you surrendered and, and, and wanting things to change in their lives. Lord, I pray that you'll have a way in all of our hearts this morning. Help us to be more like you, that we to be godly people to be, to be like you. We give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please. And this is our time of invitation.